I'll be honest, I, I'm nervous about teaching tonight. It's been a while uh, since I've taught. Um, this Putting this lesson together, I was really between uh, two different things. And um, between what was brought at camp and then um, what Bobby's doing on Sundays and then what Scott preached on on Sunday, just just kind of tied it all together with, you know, what code did with the battles that we're facing and discipleship and coming home and the things that we had to do. I mean, there was some heavy stuff that was there. And then recognizing your enemy and how the enemy plays such a huge part in our lives and how do we navigate around him. And that bringing in, and plus with you guys, you know, with a lot of you guys being freshmen now, especially right now since the bulk of the group is in Mexico that are pretty, you know, that are good, but a good bit of them are upperclassmen. Um, this really kind of dropped into the right place uh, to do a lesson on maturity, and it's something that's really been uh, on my heart and on my mind uh, with you guys for a while because um, it's a necessity. Um, it's a necessity at your guys' age. And growing up and going through my teen years as a lost young adult, um, I made a lot of poor decisions. And some of you I've spoke extensively about with my testimony and, and the, the, the poor decisions that I made in high school uh, were very immature. And uh, I still... Uh, I'm still living the effects of those decisions to this to this day, and that's the honest truth. Um, it's only by God's graces that I'm, you know, able to stand up here and, and teach you guys. So I, you know, it's one of my prayers that you learn from my mistakes. If I share what I've shared about my past, that you guys learn from it and and don't do it. And and by and large, you know, a lot of you guys come from pretty solid households. Not every household's perfect. I get that, but at the same time, you're always one decision from throwing a lot of things away. And that's what I really wanted to come and, and teach about this and get into maturity and what the Bible says about it because it's a necessity. And the, the sooner that you guys mature spiritually, you are going to be prone to less stumbling blocks, which I get into that here with my with my introduction here. It's really on my notes. You guys don't see it. But, you know, as goes for you guys as freshmen, you know, speaking to you guys for the most part, first off, we love you. There's going to be times it doesn't seem like it, especially with Andy. Uh, yes, if you hear it, I'm throwing you under the bus and you're not here. But at the same time, I'm going to defend him because I know that he loves you guys too. He's got a hard exterior, but that he's... He, he'll crack like an egg if you come to him with something serious. He, he really is. But he puts on a pretty good show. But that's the first off is what we want you guys to understand is we do love you as leaders. But what you're going to understand, though, in here is opposed to being in, you know, the, the middle school, the junior high, guys are a little more coddled there. It's a little more nurturing, a little more hands-on. And in here, we're going to be more prone to... We're going to be more prone to put you out there and have you start figuring some stuff out on your own. But we're always going to be here as a resource for you. And we want to be that resource for you, but we are leaving it more in your guys' boat to, to reach out to us, per se. I mean, are we going to have, you know, interactions with you and want to know you personally and, and care about your lives? Absolutely, 100%. I wouldn't be in this ministry if I, if I didn't. If, this, if I did not have a genuine interest or my wife or any of the other leaders' wives, we would not, I would honestly hope that we wouldn't be in here. Be in here for the right reasons because you love Christ and, you, and, and we love serving you guys. And that's always been my burden now going on five years. But in here it is a little more tougher. One of the things I understand about where you're at when it comes to maturity is that the full seven school years that you're going to spend in youth between there and here, between 6th and 12th grade and graduating as a senior, and from the ages of 12 to 18, these are some of the most formidable and some of the most impressionable years 
that you have. Now, doctors and other people say that, oh, it's in your youth. It's when you're younger. It's when you're, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade. And yeah, there is a lot of truth to that. There's, a, you, you know, you start figuring out who you are. But when you're transitioning from a child to an adult, I believe, honestly, that you, this is the most formidable time that you have because you are more prone to stepping into sin and sin and those sins will have consequences that will last you a lifetime depending on what they are. So I really truly believe that these are some of the most critical years for you guys to mature. You can you, you can excel or you can mess it up. You know, but and it doesn't even necessarily it's spiritual maturity, academic maturity. Either way, it's our responsibility as leaders while we're in these four square walls, okay, or through discipleship or if we're together in general to prepare you spiritually for when you are kicked out of this nest of ministry, if you will, and you have the sole choice all on your own. Do you walk with Christ and trust him with your life and all that's in it, or do you go your own way? And not even necessarily out of rebelliousness, but just saying, yeah, I've kind of had enough of the church stuff and you're out. And you can ask Bobby and any other pastors. We've seen it time and, and time and time again where, you know, you, you, you guys get to senior high, you graduate, and, and you're out. Whether it's going to college or you go to the Air Force or whatever, something, something gets to you and it pollutes your mind. It's, it quest, you, you, makes you question what you believe, what you've been taught all these years. Or you just, you've been here because your parents made you come here. And, uh, if that's where you're at, I really pray that you would see past that, not to look at it as an obligation that you're here because of your parents, but really see the fact that you do need Christ. You need to trust him with each and every day that you have oxygen in your lungs. Because I'm here to tell you that if I if I would have been in, the, in a church like this and grown up in it, man, would my life would have been different. It would have been so much different. To men taught what gets taught here, and and to have a, a thriving relationship with Christ at at this age, man, it, it sets you up for, you know, I forget which pastor it was. You can charge hell with a squirt gun, but you could, you could do that. You could do anything. So you, you really do have a great opportunity while you're in this ministry during this time, to stretch your wings, to gain your independence, but also have the resources that are here at your expense. For your growth and your maturity. So, so now is your chance to minimize any of those decisions, anything that you know that could be self-inflicted stumbling blocks. You're going to have stumbling blocks, though, that aren't going to be. If you're living faithfully, things are going to come your way that are going to they're going to challenge you. You may have a death in your family. Some of you have experienced that, and it turns into a significant stumbling block, and you're scratching your head, going, "God, why?" I lost my job in March of last year, June of last year, and I'm still at a, at, a, at a really weird time. Everything's upside down in my life, if you will, and I'm not going to stand here and bellyache about it, but I'm still in a spot where I'm just going, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Where am I going with this? So what do I need to mature? Even at my age, you never really stop maturing in your walk with Christ. And the moment you stop maturing, you think you stop maturing, you've got to figure it out. You better check your pride at the door because that is a dangerous spot to be in. So, these stumbling blocks, whether they're self-inflicted from decisions or what comes our way and tests our faith, understand that if it's a sin matter that you are forgiven and you can repent from it and get away from that. Don't be stuck in your flesh. Don't be stuck in your flesh not realizing that God's forgiveness is there Move on from it. And when you can get that down and you're not stuck in this revolving door of sin and being forgiven, it's like staying in a jail cell and the door is open, but you don't walk out. Walk out. That is a mark of maturity. And that's part of what I wanted to you know, get into tonight and understanding that. So on your study sheet, real simple. I only got one blank tonight. If you guys want to put stuff on the back as we work through, uh, work through this, and we can do that, or you can do that, rather. I have everything here on my notes, so I've already done it. 
So being a student in high school is not an easy chapter in life. And I will say this, it is a fun chapter in life. So don't get continually bogged down with all the academics and all the baloney that can come your way at this age. This truly is one of the funner times that you're going to have in your lifetime. Believe me, because when you get out and you get all your responsibilities and you get such a big hurry to be an adult and having your own joint and paying your own bills, and man, I'm really doing it. And then some time goes by and you start looking back, you're like, well, man, I just wasn't too bad. You know, did a lot of fun stuff, hung out with a lot of a lot of people that I really liked. And you're not always going to be together in this time. So I want to preface, it is a fun time. So take advantage of it while you while you have that time. But I also know that it's not an easy chapter in life, especially if you're saved and you know Christ. So learning to adult, adult, starts getting shoved at you in this four-year journey. I mean, it really does. When you go from there to here, it is like you guys have, you guys got to figure everything out for your high school, what you're going to do, and really focus for your future. So the question is, how are you maturing in this time spiritually? There is much carnally, carnally that takes center stage from academics, sports, all the extracurriculars that you volunteer for or your parents make you do. Take your pick. Either way, you are faced with decisions that are no longer childlike in nature. You are caught between leaving your well-known childhood for adulthood. And there is no turning back. So how can we deal with this? And who can we look at in the Bible to learn from? And as I studied this out, I really saw a lot of things that I didn't see before, which is really pretty cool, because you have to look between the lines of, of these individuals' lives. And we'll get into that here in a little bit once we start working down at the bottom of the sheet. But So the base, baselines for moving forward with, with in your maturity. So identifying where you're at or where I'm at in my maturity, then be honest. So what are some thoughts, words, and actions that you demonstrate daily that others might observe and make a judgment call about you? What are some things that you do or what are some things that you say that might affect your testimony? Or what are some things that you do or say that maybe need to be tuned up? And really, this is, this is where the list comes in. So I want to hear from you guys. What are some aspects that you know that are different in your maturity, say, from coming over there to coming over here? What do you know? What are some landmarks in your life that you know that you've matured spiritually? Does it make sense? Does it make sense what I'm asking, Robert? Yes. Okay. just want to make sure because I'm getting a lot of deer in the headlights. And all your all your normals aren't here tonight to fill in the empty air. So, yes. Kind of like switching from excuse me from like keeping my faith my own and then like sharing it with other people. Because when I was like in junior high, more immature, I was always like scared to go up and talk to people. Okay. Maybe like vocal, but now like as I'm maturing, it comes easier. Okay, vocal, outspoken. <clears throat> We call that boldness. Did you say that's bold? That's a good word, yeah. Bold. <laughs> that's the Well, it's been a it's been a word that's floated around the past few weeks. That keeps coming up. So there's no there's no accident that it keeps coming up repetitively. What else? Don't worry, I got a whole list if we need help. So I I, I expected dead air, so I'm prepared. Yes. Like prioritizing because like as you get older you have more responsibilities. Prioritization. How do you spell it? Prioritization. <laughs> yeah. P R I O O R I T I What? Prioritization. T I Z A T I Shut up, man. My, spe- my spelling ain't all that great, and I don't care. If you can read it, that's all that matters. Yes, actually, prioritization is an absolutely critical 
aspect of maturity. It is something I still struggle with. I am uh, uh, I'm easily distracted. So when it comes to prioritization, I know what I have to do, but I don't know when I'm going to really get around to it sometimes. So yeah, prioritization is absolutely critical. I wish I was better at it. Yes? Like something that goes along with that is like Ooh, that one goes over here. It's close enough. You guys know what it is. She said procrastination. We're running with it. I didn't say I was smart. What else? Anything else? Benny. Uh, like <laughs> application, like knowing what to do and then actually doing it instead of just knowing and not doing it. Repeat that. Application. Knowing what to say it again? Knowing um, what to do, when to do it. No, no, like knowing what to do and like actually doing it, where it's just knowing what to do and not doing anything about it. So it's kind of like prioritization, but it's prioritization <laughs> with action. Well, that's the application. I think he's saying like actually taking what he's learned and applying it to his life. And, like, okay. I knew the woman in here would be able to figure it out. <laughs> So let's go with applying. It's capitalized there for you. Would you like to come up and teach this? I got all my notes here. Actually, no, I don't want you to look at my notes. All my A's are capitalized on my notes. <laughs> Carson. Oh, communication, like, well, never mind, actually, that's already up there. Kind of an boldness. No, communication kind of. Sort of a different thing. Communication to an extent. Your communication should be better. If you're talking about, I mean, communication, okay, so yeah, you do have vocal, being outspoken, boldness, like evangelizing, things like that. But communication. Planning, event planning, things like that. Communication technically is one of those things. I'm not putting it up there just because you said it, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, communication is a good one, though. That is, that is, you know, that is a mark of maturity. Anything else? And then we'll start getting into the list that I got here as well. These are, these are good. Anything else? Yes? Talking more with God. It's a prayer? Yeah. Okay. So your prayer, yeah, meaning your prayers, your types of prayers should mature. You're not just praying for minuscule to junior high stuff. Yes. I guess like my heart towards like serving has changed a lot, like within the church and like things like that. Like willingness. Well, like actually, like unsearch. Like, can I talk to myself? Like, actually, like. Do you know how to spell that? I'm. Okay, go ahead. It starts with an S. Like, I guess realizing like the importance and like things like that. And like why rather than just like it's oh, impact. I should. Yes, there we go. Sure. <laughs> no, you're 100% right. And I'll, we'll, we'll jump off on that one. No, your service should change because of v, you know, VBS is a perfect platform for that. You go from coming to VBS and then you start serving in VBS and, and you see the difference. You know, Warren said flat out, he goes, Man, I love serving better than I like coming. I'm like, Pfft. I'm sitting there, you know, we're just sitting here at breakfast, and he just throws out and say, "Hey, what'd you like about VBS?" And he throws that out there, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm like that's a very that was a mature thing to say." So I was kind of blown away by that. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, your your service 
should should make an impact. And you should, yeah, understanding what that what that does, that time that you spend with the younger kids, even in the on the church hour and the Sunday school hour. You know, I've seen a lot of you guys when we were teaching in the preschool, which is crazy because all you guys are in here now, which is insane. But seeing how, you know, how we interacted with you then and then the high school helpers that we would have in there and how they interacted with the preschool kids was just, I was always amazed by that and blown away by it, especially when they, you know, I would watch how those kids, I shouldn't say kids, how the students, the high school students would work that room with all those preschoolers in it. And you could always tell, you could tell who had a heart for it, who had a heart for those kids and who was just there to run down and fill up the water jug and bring it back and, you know, couldn't wait for 12.15 or 1.15 whenever Tom got done to go. Yeah, I am recording that. Anyway, yeah. I was just going to add to the, the serving one. I think that's a really good one because how you serve and how effective you are doing it is a direct measure of your maturity and your walk with Jesus Christ because you'll serve a lot better if you don't require to be served back. In other words, you have a lot of people that come to church to take, take, take. You want to strive to be someone who comes to church to serve, serve, serve. Um, so that's, that's a really good one. And that is, that is charitable service. Your charitable service is not expecting anything in return. And that, honestly, not saying that in some boastful way, but that's how I've always looked at this. I don't look for any kind of return on investment. You know, I don't, I don't expect to teach a lesson up here and then you guys come to me two weeks ago, well, that was really amazing, a really good... I don't care about that. I, I really don't. If you got something out of this tonight, great. If you get something out of this two, three weeks from now, it happened as a recall, great. Praise the Lord for that because that's God talking with you, not me. All right? This is just his lesson and I'm nothing more than a mouthpiece. So that's a great jumping off point. So let's get into this list because we're probably not going to make the prayer meeting. We'll see how quickly we can get through it. But I want this to be quality and not necessarily quantity. So, uh, so I'm going to go to Romans 116, or you guys can all go to Romans 116. So on my pre-prepared list, is that actually a thing, Carson? Pre-prepared? Does that work? Is that mutually unique? You're becoming one of my favorite targets. I don't know why. <laughs> we all know why. What, what is the verse? You don't have it on the sheet, do you? Romans 1.16. Oh, my goodness gracious. Am I one of your favorite targets? It's actually... You're right up front, pal. You're right there. You're in the spit zone. Yes. So actually, boldness is the first one that I have at the top of my list. Not that it's necessarily the most important, but it was one of the first ones that I started working on. Somebody read Romans one sixteen. Should be. Some of you might have it memorized. Good. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. Not ashamed. That's boldness, like you were talking. You know. You get to a point when you're getting to this age and you know you're, you know you're saved and you've got a burden for witnessing your lost friends. I'm not saying you wake up every morning, I've just got to be Mr. and Miss Evangelist and just set the world on fire. I mean, if you have that mindset and that heart, cool. All right? But I'm talking about having a, a level head, being humble and level, level-headed, but also knowing, you know, you, somebody, God keeps putting somebody on your heart, a friend of yours on your heart. And you're just like, okay, there's no accident that I keep, that they keep coming back to my thoughts and coming back to my mind and I keep praying for them. I need to reach out to them. And just ask, hey, how you doing? It just starts with a conversation like that. That's boldness. So speaking up when you normally wouldn't, when, young, when, when younger or with a, 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 a newfound confidence, you'll have a better confidence with this as you, you know, grow in your walk with Christ. Sharing your testimony with a lost person, a friend, or the gospel. So yes, absolutely. Boldness is one of those and not having a shame in doing it. Well, I really don't know if, if that's how Romans Road goes or not. Don't beat yourself up about it. If you're not 100% nailed down on Romans Road, then, then walk through some tracks. Get some tracks that you're comfortable with. Know those tracks and, and hand them out. And if a friend of yours does read them and has questions, then you're ready to go. 
just make it a part of your studies. That's all a part of the whole maturing process. But that's that's a part of boldness and not having a shame about it. I'm not ashamed normally when I talk with, with friends of mine or people I haven't been around and I share with them, hey, this is what happened to me back in 2002. And I'm able to share my testimony. That's that's your testimony. Nobody can take that from you. It is yours. Never forget that. And your testimony can be absolutely powerful. That is God getting the glory for what he's done in your life when you share it with somebody who's lost, who he loves and cares about and wants to see saved. You're that vessel. You're the ambassador. So that boldness, have that boldness there. All right, so the other one I have on here, I got one is our speech. This is a big one. This is one that I can be guilty about. I spelled it right. My E's are lowercase. You also said fun earlier. <laughs> the reason Carson's red is a tomato right now. <laughs> Do you have <laughs> I'll wait till this is off. Thank you. Uh, anyway, alright. So speech. So how and what you speak about. Does what we say glorify God? Uh, I didn't have you guys turn to it, so that's my bad. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Some of you guys may have that memorized. Some of these verses are going to be pretty familiar tonight. But this is one of the things that I'm guilty about. You know, there's, there's times, there's you know, some of you guys that I joke around with. You know, I, I have a, a, a fairly... Some of the comments that can be made can be a little inappropriate at times, but it's also a two-way street because you guys, man, for being high schoolers, you guys can throw some stuff back. It's like, man, you guys know that about that already? It's ridiculous. But that's what I'm talking about, manner of speech that doesn't glorify God. You know, how are we, what are we talking about when there's somebody we've been witnessing to and then they hear us talking, you know, talking like the rest of the world? I'm not even talking about cussing. I'm talking about your content. Although cussing's absolutely horrible testimony. That's one of the biggest things I was convicted about when I got saved was my filthy mouth. I could drop the F-bomb in the middle of everything, and I didn't care who was around. I didn't care. Just didn't. It's like, hey, you don't like my mouth? <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. And then I got saved, and I was like, man, I really sound like that? I couldn't believe how I sounded. I mean, it was like that. I was like, man, I need to clean that up right now. But when you talk about just cleaning up, not cussing, that's more on the immature side of it. You should be able to clear that out. Once you're saved, you should know, man, I shouldn't be talking like that. So now how should your speech be? It should be seasoned with salt. So as you're reading and you're studying God's Word and you're knowing more about the Bible, that should be more of how your speech is more of how God thinks more of how God speaks more of what this book says that's what we should be adapting to as we're reading it so the other one they seem like it's simple 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in, if therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So you may be sitting here thinking, okay, well, why are you bringing that up here? That's kind of elementary. Right, I get it. Considering this group, the age of the most of you have come up through church, whatnot. But, maybe for somebody, you know, had 20 some odd kids profess to accept Christ during VBS. There's professions at, at, at camp this year. So this is a big deal. This is a monumental, this is a landmark maturity point in their life. So it may, 
it may be new to them. So really, at the end of the day, that's huge. So don't forget your spot in salvation and that point of it. When you start hitting those stumbling blocks and you start getting questions and maybe Satan is working hard on you and you're starting to have questions, you're doubting this and that, go back to that first point. Go back to your point of salvation. Remember your first love. What is that, Revelation? Is that in Revelation 2? Remember that. Go back to it. Salvation's a big step. That is the hugest step going from here to here in Christ. And don't don't minimize that on somebody if you're talking with them. If they're a babe in Christ, nurture them along if you're more mature. That's your responsibility. And I get into that here in a little bit with another verse. So understanding, I'm not going to write any of these more down on here. Unless you want me to write them down. You want me to write them down or not write them down? Write them down. Doesn't matter. I guess you like. I'm getting yeses and noes. I think Carson likes me writing them down. <laughs> understanding. I'm just going to write them all up here so I can just get through them. So understanding, getting understanding. Did I have temptation? We didn't have temptations up there. Temptations. I'll save a little bit of time turning around every time. So getting understanding. Uh, I'm going to do 1 Corinthians 13. Somebody else go for... Uh, somebody else go to 1 Corinthians 10. Somebody else go to Ephesians 14. You can take 10. Ephesians 4. So getting understanding. 1 Corinthians 13.11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So understanding. You understand things now becoming more of an adult than you do than you did as children, correct? I mean there's a lot more that you understand that you didn't understand as children, correct? I mean I remember when I was around your guys' age and I'd start listening to my parents talk. Or my aunts and uncles would talk, and they would be telling stories about stuff that they, you know, got into when they were younger. You know, and I'd hear before, and it just, you know, didn't really mean anything when I was a kid. But then I got older because I understood more, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, that's what y'all were into." Okay, now I get it. You're getting understanding, but this is also talking about getting spiritual understanding as well. So that's another mark of maturity. So as you're, as you're growing in your walk with Christ, you should be getting understanding. So, tempta- so temptations, how we do with them. Who has 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That's a pretty self-explanatory verse, right? You're going to be able to bear those temptations. You have a choice, okay? God is not going to tempt you first and foremost. God is not a tempter. So if you're going to step back and you're going to sit there and say, because I've heard friends of mine, lost friends of mine, say, oh, God tempted me, God tempted me. They flat out said that. And then when I got to know, and this is, you know, years ago, it was when I was in high school, I would hear a friend of mine, he said that a lot. But then, getting saved, he didn't know my Bible, God's not a tempter. Really? A friend of mine said he was. You read through this. Read a verse like that. Oh, okay. So now it kind of makes sense. He also gives you a way to escape it. You have a choice. When you are tempted, you have a choice. Do you commit a sin or do whatever that temptation is that you just, you know it ain't right. Something ain't right about it. But you sin is kind of kind of consider Nobody will really know. There's really nobody else around. If you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit that resides in you. Guess who knows what you're doing. You're going you're gonna to do that, do whatever it is, with Him residing in you if you know Him as your Savior. But you have a way out. So are you going to take it? What decision are you going to make? 
So doctrine, and this one just really kind of brings it all around full circle. Go ahead, Ephesians 4.14. Go. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slave of men, and cunning crafty, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in This ties in with boldness also. So, being solid on doctrine, being solid on knowing what this Bible says, I mean, we, we beat this drum. Uh, it feels like week in and week out and week in and week out. We talk about doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. And it's critical because there are numerous churches, and you guys are going to go to school with numerous people that say that they're Christians, that say... They know Christ, and they may very well be saved, okay? But they go to churches that teach cesspool doctrines. They teach Calvinism. They teach Calvinism without even knowing that they're teaching Calvinism. They're teaching out of different versions, and they're listening to that. Does it make them bad people? Not necessarily, but they don't know truly what this Bible says. So knowing what it says is, is absolutely critical, and I'm glad that the Lord showed me that years ago starting out in discipleship. Going through adult discipleship is absolutely critical, I feel, and I highly, highly encourage you to do it when you do graduate. You know, you go through what we go through in here. I would also encourage you, if you haven't been discipled in here, to do it as well. It goes along with those marks of maturity. But knowing what this book says and why it says it, it, it puts you not to exalt yourself above other people because you shouldn't. Don't do it. Humble yourself. But it puts you in a spot. You know what you believe. You know what this book says, and you can stand on it. And you don't have to waver from it. That's a great place to be. Be solid in your walk. Be, be set apart. Be sanctified from, from your worldly friends, from the people that you go to school with. Knowing that, all these aspects, all these mature, marks of maturity, this sets you in a whole different zip code if you'll let God put you there. If you let him put, if you let him, if you will let him put you there, am I, am I saying that right? Don't act like you're not listening. I know you're listening. I am listening. Yes. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. You're probably not going to sit up in the front anymore when I teach. You're like hide back there. All right. Get this down. If you are not maturing spiritually, you are maturing carnally. There is not a two-way street on that. You're either maturing spiritually or you're maturing carnally. Which one are you feeding with your time? I'm getting I'm guilty of getting sucked down the YouTube rabbit trail of watching this, that, and the other. I like watching a lot of instructional stuff. I'm very mechanical in nature. So if something's busted and I want to try to figure out how to fix it, I start watching videos on how to fix said thing and then I find you know something comes up about airplanes and then I like airplanes and then I'm watching something on jets and then there's something on trains and then I watch that and the next thing I know an hour and a half's gone by and I've watched a bunch of nothing that I will never really benefit from I'm guilty of it so am I growing spiritually or carnally in that hour and a half there's your answer all right so what are the marks of spiritual maturity? And then we already kind of went through that. I was going to have you guys share some of it, but I mean, we already hit this list. Unless there's anything else that you guys want to throw out there that you feel, um, you know, what, you know, something where you've changed personally, where you know that there's a difference with you spiritually before you were like this and now you're like this. Anything like that happen with any of you? You got something? Actually caring about other people's testimonies. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that's, that's 100%. You're talking about ministry? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here because you stood up about full-time ministry in two camps. Okay? Three now? I'm old. I don't count that high. Okay. Well, regardless of the count, you stood up for it. All right? Get this down. If you don't love people, ministry is not for you because Jesus Christ loved the very people that put him on the cross. And he loves the very, the nastiest of the nasty that are out there. He died for them. So if you don't love people, that's 
that's critical. So yeah, actually caring about somebody's testimony. Yeah, you got to be genuine about it. But that's good. Yeah. So you think you're more humble now than, than you were however long ago? Okay. Anything else? Yeah. Attitude. Yeah. But I can say that just from knowing you. You've definitely changed in that regard. I would agree with that. Mine was grace. When I got saved, I was not very graceful toward other people. Um, if other people sinned or made mistakes, I was pretty hard about them. Not necessarily in confronting them, but I was hard in... Um, thought but it's just like well they did that well they're damaged goods over here you go and just stay over there and rot as far as I'm concerned you know here I am over here my little world of perfection whatever not the case I had very little grace with people and ultimately it was uh, spending a lot of time and getting to know Scott McLean that um I would I would talk about certain things and he would just he would kind of hit me with, what if you thought about it like this? And I was like, huh, never thought about that. And every time he did it, he didn't really give me the answer with stuff. He just threw it out there. It always came back to grace, having grace with people, having grace with situations, and that was a very pivotal point and and a mark of maturity for me personally. And now I don't nearly. I'm not narrow. I don't look on people's situations and decisions when they've messed up or sinned or faulted in the same manner anymore. I look at it as I could have very well done that. So I put myself in that person's shoes. And I empathize with their situation instead of being like, <laughs> to me, that was, a, that was, I needed that in my, in my walk. I couldn't be in this ministry had, had not taken that and let God pierce my heart with that. It was critical. Anybody else? Yeah. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. That was another one of mine too. That's a big one. Yours? No. 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 There was no. She made me think about it when she said it because, like, yeah, I struggled with joy. I still struggle with it. Anybody else? Okay. All right, so getting into some of these guys here on the sheet. Let's we'll see if we can't get through these a little quicker. I mean, it's already a quarter till, so we're, we're not going to make it down there. We probably, never mind. Speech. All right, so Solomon. Uh, somebody take, uh, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Actually, you can all go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I didn't put a whole lot of notes on him. Man, I'm going to have to paraphrase this one. I'm going to be flying off of this one. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So we're familiar with the life of Solomon. He's the wisest man. Built the temple, built his own home. People came from around the world to see him. He was very, ultimately, he got very puffed up. Finished his own house before he finished the table. Gobs of wives, concubines. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the guy was like, you know, none other second to Christ. But you get into Ecclesiastes, having lived all that he lived out, in verse 2, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This guy had it all. He had it all. He had it all carnally. And he really, in a lot of respects, he threw a lot away spiritually. He squandered a lot of time. But he learned from it. And ultimately, we got the book of Ecclesiastes to help us with our own maturity. What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. All that stuff is going to come and go. It got manufactured at one place. It's going to wind up in a landfill somewhere else. 
and what are you going to have from it? I got a floor lamp sitting out in my garbage as we speak. I've had it for probably about 10 years. Brand new. Did its job. The base fell apart. It's in the garbage. I say, what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's, it's, it's a piece of equipment. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything. How many things can you look at throughout your life and be like, I don't really need that. I didn't really, it wasn't really a necessity, but you had it anyway. Basement's full of junk. But also, what do you have in your mind? Not just the physical, but what do you have in your mind that's junk? What are you not letting God get out? What are you not giving over to him? There's also that too. So that's about all the further I'm going to go with with, uh, with Solomon because we're pretty familiar with his life. Short of chapter 12. I had a note in here for chapter 12 and I want to see why. Probably because of the end of the probably because of the end of the chapter and what he says. 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into, into judgment whether with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So again, the carnality of it. What are you putting in? What are you putting out? What needs to go out to the curb? And we have an, he penned an entire book about it. That's what the entire book of Ecclesiastes is, is about. It's really pretty... It's a, it's a pretty easy reading book. It's a very humbling book. Daniel chapter 4. Talking about the maturity of somebody who you would think would have never gotten saved. Considering who he was, and that is Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody read 1 through 3. And somebody else go to 2 Peter. Go ahead, Benny. 2 Peter 1. Somebody go ahead and read Daniel 4, 1 through 3. Lydia. Yeah, right now. Go for it. Considering that he was a crazy person, the chapter prior, God had to put him in his place. You know, and not all because of the testimony of Daniel. Now, who had you had Second Peter? What did I have you on? Where's my notes? Second Peter one verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. That is virtually word for word in, in verse 1 of chapter 4. It's interesting how when you come to know Christ and you mature in Christ or you know God in this instance, it's Old Testament, you start talking different. Nebuchadnezzar sounds like Peter. Or is it Peter that sounds like Nebuchadnezzar? Let that sink in a little bit. In your maturity, how your manner of speech is going to be. That's how Nebuchadnezzar started talking like your New Testament apostles. That's, that's something to be, to marvel about. That is a definite mark of maturity. Again, it comes back to your speech. Uh, what else do I have on there? It's the same thing. I've made the point. We're going to move on. So Joseph, so, uh, we'll go to Genesis uh, 37. Genesis 37. Does somebody take... Somebody's going to take 37 verse 2. Jacob. 41, 46... Chapter 41, verse 46. And then 
I need somebody for 39.4. Megan, you want to take that one? 39.4? Yeah. I hope I have this in order. My notes are kind of jacked up on here, but hey, we're going we're to run with it anyway. All right, so uh, who has 37-2? Go ahead. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lave was with the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zil Zilphah, and with the sons of Zilphah, I guess I that. his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Okay, 41-46. He was how old? 37. 30. 30. How old was he in your verse? Okay. So we're all familiar with what happened with Joseph's life, right? For the most part. So in that gap of 13 years. So how would you have handled all that he went through in that gap of 13 years? He's basically left for dead by his brothers, sold into slavery, imprisoned under false accusations by Potiphar's wife, forgotten in prison until he finally until he finally he's finally called to interpret Pharaoh's dream who's got 39 4 go ahead and 39 21 go ahead and take 21 also So he keeps finding grace in people's sight, okay? And the Lord is with Joseph, and the keeper of the prison also had favor with him. So you think about what was going on in that 13-year gap of time. He was dealt. I mean, what if you were dealt that hand? How would you handle it? I'm going to be honest. I probably have a giant pity party. I've been having a little pity party for myself since I've lost my job. I'm still trying to figure all that out. But this guy had about as bad of uh, a bad a run-in with stuff as you possibly could have. But what was he doing in that gap of time that he's finding favor with these people? That he's finding grace in the sight? What is his testimony? How was he being at that time? That's what I'm saying. You got to look between the lines of this stuff when you're reading it. What was his testimony? We know that you know he could have easily been a drunkard. You know, he could have, man, this really sucks. He would have been able to get stuff in prison and would have been drinking his wife away. We wouldn't have had a book about it. Think about it. There's nowhere in this book where somebody's getting drunk and there's a positive outcome from it. Look at Lot and the trash heap that got created out of that. This guy had an amazing testimony. He had an amazing, an absolutely amazing testimony Despite being, I mean, he's a slave. He's a servant. He's one of the lowest class of people. People that are finding favor and giving him grace, they're not in the same zip code of lifestyle as he is. So you got to think about that for a minute. And you guys ever been around millionaires? Like legitimate millionaires? The guys, the ones that are kind of flashy, a little bit bling bling? You ever been around any of them? I don't know if any of your dads, you know, run businesses that hobnob with that type. I've been around them. They're annoying. <laughs> Seriously. No, I've been, I've been around them, and they're, honestly, I just, I'd rather not be around them because they, they usually typically like to let you know in a roundabout way that they live on Snob Hill and you don't. But I also know millionaires that are very humble and very meek. And you know what they don't talk about? They're millions. They don't bling it around. It's rather interesting. But he's not in that class. But he's finding favor with that class of people. So what is he doing? What can we be doing? Not to find favor with millionaires. Don't take that the wrong way. But are we finding favor with the people that we have good testimonies with? And how does that affect what we're doing in our service for God? That's a huge thing. Genesis 40, 41, 44, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. After all is said and done, man, this guy, is been, he's made a leader. He's made a leader over Egypt. It's crazy. A powerful position. 
and ultimately he's reunited with his family. And he could have passed judgment on him. And lastly, looking at the life of Peter. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. Peter, when we start, when, we, when he's introduced to us in the beginning of the New Testament, he's a very prideful individual. You ever been around fishermen? I'm talking commercial fishermen. Or you know anybody that's been around him? Andy Martin's a commercial fisherman. I don't know if you guys know him or not. Anyway, commercial fishermen are, um, they're rough. Um, a lot of them are criminals. They're usually in some sort of legal trouble. They're a lot like roofers. Um, roofers just tend to, they're usually high school dropouts. They're usually not much into being educated. They like their beer. They like drugs. And they like sleeping around. Just got to be honest. Okay? That's the type, their, their mindset is sin, and they're fine with it. Okay? That's typically what a commercial fisherman is. Now, whether Peter was into that type of a lifestyle at that time, I don't know. But... Even though time goes on, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So I'd imagine the commercial fishermen back at that time were not a whole lot different from commercial fishermen of this time. Anyway, all that to say, for that to be said, he's a very prideful individual. You know, he cuts the ear off of the one guy, uh, off of the one, off of the one guard. Jesus goes to wash feet, and he's like, "Oh, what? You know, what? Oh, you're not going to wash my feet. Oh, wash my feet. Wash all this. Wash this. Wash it." And he's he's a very prideful individual. If there's anybody that we can probably relate to more than anybody, at least for me personally, it's Peter. That was him in the beginning of the New Testament, and obviously. <laughs> Obviously, Jesus works him a lot, and we're familiar with how Jesus works through, works him through those through the Gospels, and ultimately how he denies him. But do you think Peter matured in that time at all? Because he was he's pretty hard headed. I think it took a long time for him to mature, and some of you in here are like that. It's <laughs> it's. It's going to take some of you a longer time to mature than others. And I don't say that to be mean, but it's just honest. I mean, I'm, I'm a hard-headed individual. It's been harder. It's taken longer for me to mature in some areas than others. But it's just true. But at the end of the day, yeah, Peter did mature. And it was especially in the book of Acts. And after the resurrection that really Peter's life turned around. And when you read how Peter spoke in the book of Acts, and then when you read the books of first and second Peter, you don't even know that you're you don't even really know that that's the guy in the beginning of the Gospels. He is completely transformed. You want to talk about a mature individual. And it was really after the resurrection and after the formation of the first churches that that Peter really He's just on fire for his Lord. And he did. He fed his sheep. He said he was going to do it. He did it. So I'll leave it at this and we'll close out on here. First Peter 5, 5. Now just read it. Likewise, this is really for you guys in a spot where you should be in. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Do you have a Joshua? Do you have a Moses? Are you a Joshua? Or are you a Moses? Going back to camp. Where are you at? Are you moldable? Moldable. Moldable. Are you willing to be soft clay? What's holding you up from being... What's, what's got your heart hardened? There's a lot of things that can harden our hearts. Code talked about our, our dads. You know, I was hard-hearted toward my dad for a long time. I shared some of you guys about what, you know, what went on in my life at that time. I'll share it at another time, but it was messed up. And I was upset with my dad for years. But giveth grace to the humble. Are you humble? 
Do you resist the proud? Can you recognize people that are prideful? You have discernment. Discernment I didn't even get into tonight. That's another significant part of maturity. It's also, it's also a spiritual gift, and that's another lesson for another time. So lastly, 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Again, all familiar verses, but are we taking them to heart? Are we taking those things to heart? We are our own worst enemies when it comes to decisions, but remember, you got an enemy out there that he's hunting you down, and he's going to continue on that on Sunday. But you got to be growing mature. You got to start. You got to be maturing spiritually, or you're just going to mature carnally, and he will. He'll eat you up. He'll suck you in. And you don't want to go there. I've been there. I've been in some ugly situations. You ever want to know what they are? Feel free to ask me if that'll help you getting into them. I ran around with some bad people. We're all one decision away from that. And I pray that you guys never get into that. I really pray that you guys don't keep company with you know, with such individuals. One of the guys I know, he's an arsonist. He's in prison. He burned a place down with people in it. That's the kind of crew I rolled with. I don't say that to boast or glorify God. I'm thankful that I got away from that. Running with people like that. Selling drugs, doing drugs, and everything else. I pray you guys are nowhere close to that. But man, if you are, talk to somebody and get out of it. Get away from it. 